Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, conversations with your favourite theatre actors and creatives. Boy, do I have a good one for you today. If you're a Hamilton fan, you are really going to like this one. And even if you're not the biggest Hamilton fan, there is lots of good stuff coming up today. Our guest this week is Giles Torreira, who won an Olivier for creating the role of Aaron Burr in the West End production of Hamilton. Let's have a quick chat through his CV before I play you the conversation we had. Giles joined the National Theatre after graduating from Mount View Drama School in 1999. Since then, he's worked at the National and in the West End on a number of plays and musicals. Some of his credits include Death and the King's Horseman, The Tempest. He played Sammy Davis Jr. in The Rat Pack, live from Las Vegas. He was in Rent, and he originated the role of Gary Coleman in the original London production of Avenue Q. He also played Mafala Hatimbi in The Book of Mormon, also the original cast, starring opposite Gavin Creel, Jared Gertner, and Alexia Kadim. In December 2017, he was in the original cast of Hamilton in the West End at the Victoria Palace Theatre, playing Aaron Burr, the part that he won the Olivier Award for Best Actor in a Musical in April 2018. He left the show in December of that year, and last year he wrote a song cycle while the UK was in lockdown called Black Matter, and it was all about things that he saw from his window in his flat in Soho in central London. So that's quiet streets because we were in lockdown, some of the protests that happened last year, it's all in there. Now he's brought out a book called Hamilton and Me, and it's his journal, which he kept during the development and rehearsals for Hamilton in the West End. And he does this for every show, but this one has been published. My copy arrived in the post straight after I hit end this meeting on Zoom, which is typical. So I hadn't read it before we had this conversation, but I had prepped extensively as always. So here's my conversation with Giles Torreira. Mikey. Hi Giles, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, lovely flowers in the background. What are they? I was um I usually get tulips from the guy. There's a guy in the store and we don't have tulips anymore. So I was like, what can I get? And he said, these are really nice. I can't remember what they're called, but they look like alliums. Are they alliums? That's it. Oh great. I mean I, I know nothing about flowers, but I know that I know what alliums are. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and I've never heard of them. Um but they're cute. They're, I like them. So yeah. Yeah, they're like, but they do drop, so when they drop, just yeah, get rid yeah. of them quickly because they might stain. Yeah. I was I was hoping they weren't gonna do that, but they look like they're just about to. I've had them most of the week. So well done. Thanks so much for doing this. I'm aware you've done quite a few interviews recently. So I'm gonna try really hard not to double up with stuff that you've talked about a lot. That's fine. You will, I'm sure. But for, for people who, who are going to listen to this, um, who may not know, there is a, a, a lovely Hamilton and Us podcast that accompanies the book where they can find out lots more about your journey and that of your castmates and the creatives uh, who developed the show. Yeah. Um, so we can send people there as well. Um, I saw that you had your investiture yesterday. Congratulations. How was it? Yeah, thank you. It was great. It was good. Um, they It was postponed, obviously, because of last year, especially last April, and they, they had to put it back. And so normally they'd be at the 
Buckingham Palace, but they moved them to St. James's Palace. So it's kind of a new thing. It's a bit of a scaled down thing. Um, but it was actually, it was fun. It was good to get to see, you know, there's a kind of wide range of people that are being acknowledged. So it's good to kind of find out a little bit about what people did. Um, there wasn't a lot of mingling, but um, I got to speak to some really cool people. So, yeah, it was it was nice. It was a nice day. Oh, good. And you were given it by the Princess Royal, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has, has she seen Hamilton? Did she did she chat to you about the show? She saw it, yeah. And um, she saw it during the first year when I was there. And uh, it was very... Other people came and they, they, you know, we sort of knew about it. But hers was very, very low-key. There wasn't a sort of big announcement or a big meet or anything like that. She sort of just came in and then and then went. So I, uh, yeah, we, we managed to speak about it, and uh, she <laughs> she uh, she had a really fun evening. Actually, she really enjoyed it. So oh, good, you could have something to talk about, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh no, we, we yeah, Princess Anne's and I. I have a lot of respect for her. She's very no fuss. I I respect that. Yeah, yeah, she was great, and um, you know, I'm always I'm always I'm always quite impressed when I meet members of that firm that um i mean it's their job i guess but they're, they're very you know considering looking at the sort of program of, of people that they had at the investiture it's people from like you know being 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 um acknowledged for their work with energy or science or young people or kind of all kinds of things and they they are and of course they do their homework but um, I think the fact that they're they're able to sort of engage with people as a as a mm. so many people, I think, is quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it must be good good way to keep the memory working as they get older, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's talk about Hamilton um, because I have many questions and copious notes. Um, the the book um, I have on order and may well arrive during this interview, so I haven't read it yet. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to doing so. Um, first of all, just tell me how you first encountered Hamilton, whether that was hearing the music or just someone telling you that it existed in whatever way, shape or form. My agent told me um, the show was coming over and that I should listen to it. And I wasn't aware of the show at all. No, I was, I'd was. i heard of it, but I hadn't, hadn't listened to it. Um, so this is like early 2016. So I think it just was just arriving on Broadway. Um, and so I did, I wasn't very familiar with it. And then about within that week, a friend of mine had texted me to say that she'd just seen it in New York. She lives in New York and she'd just seen it and was like, you have to be in the show, it's amazing. So I was kind of aware of this thing. And then once my agent said, okay, you know, you need to listen to it. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do another musical. I wasn't in a sort of rush to go and do another show. Um, so I was a little bit like, okay, well, but then once I listened to it, I went and got it, listened to it. And the moment I listened to it, I um, was just really struck with it and, and um, uh, knew that it was something really, really special. Sorry, there's all sorts of traffic going outside. Um, knew it was something really special, knew it was something that I um, was just really struck by. I couldn't quite quantify it, but listening just to the music and the cast recording, I was just totally captivated by this story and the way in which Lynn was telling it and the character of Burr. Um, so then I sort of just had to try and find everything I could. And, and luckily enough, there was actually a lot. So I had about maybe two weeks to try and prepare for the audition. 
I was on a job, so I wasn't going to be in London when the when the create the American creators were in London. They were due to be in like in in the late autumn, and I was going to be on tour around the world, so I wasn't going to be here. But I, on one of the stops on the tour was in New York, so my agent said, "Okay, well, I'll set up a meeting." So that was like in July, so it's about way before they were going to be here. So I had a couple of weeks to kind of practice and and get over the material and learn the songs and stuff. So in those couple of weeks, I just um, I just, you know, tried to listen and find out as much as I could. And then I was very, very aware of what Hamilton was. Um, but in the, in, the, in the initial instinct, it was just listening to the cast recording. And uh, it's all there in the, in, the, in the lyrics, you know. It's all there in the words. And, um, it, you know, amazing character after amazing character. So I very quickly became sort of obsessed like everyone else. Was there a particular song that first that first listen? I don't know if you remember. I actually remember very distinctly the first time I ever listened to it, and I just filled up my car at Sainsbury's, and "You'll Be Back" came on, and that I remember distinctly being like, "This is like the hook," and then the rest just pulled me in from there. Was was there a similar moment for you? Yeah, halfway through Aaron Bursa, which is the second song, um, that was when my moment happened. Um, and it's the it's the moment where he says, "You're an orphan. I'm an orphan." That exact moment was when something kind of just went off in me. And then from then on in, that's like the second song. From then on in, I was just like completely um, smashed by it. And then when I got to the end, I just went back and listened to the whole thing again. Um, so it's pretty instantaneous. Just fast forwarding a little bit, um, I, I thought it would be quite fun to delve into some of the material um, just because I personally find Bert, and I know lots of people do, so incredibly fascinating and see a lot of myself in him. And I think everyone always is very quick to analyse Alexander, but Burr, I feel, is so layered. Um, what, what do you find the most fascinating aspect of his personality? Good question. It's, it's a tough one answer because there's there's the burr the historical burr and then there's the burr that lynn has written in this particular show and then a character is really only um i think you know character is situation so you 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 know you can you can say who the person is or or, or what they are based purely on what the situation they find themselves in. And he finds himself in lots of different situations. But um, the historical Burr, one of the things I find most fascinating about him is that he was he was so unlike the other, his, his contemporaries, so unlike um, Madison or Hamilton or Washington, and definitely unlike um, Jefferson, in the sense that his perspective, his, his view of himself. On one level, there was someone who is absolutely kind of obsessed with himself um, and what he gives out into the world, but only kind of in real time, which is very strange because Lynn has this thing about waiting for it. Because in a way, um, Hamilton in the show, I'm jumping all over now, but Hamilton in the show is a good question. Hamilton in the show is very obsessed with like, legacy and the long thing whereas actually which you would think lends itself to kind of wait for it like because he's got this really kind of long view about what what he what he's going to be and what he wants to leave behind whereas burr is very much kind of in the moment um in the sense that 
he, uh, the historical Burr, unlike all of the others, didn't leave his papers and his writings and stuff. He kind of got rid of a lot of it. Hamilton, Jefferson left like immaculate um, archives and their notes and their papers because they knew how they wanted to be perceived by history. Whereas Burr didn't. Burr got rid of a lot of his stuff. So you kind of get this image of somebody who's very, very in the moment. It matters very much to him who he is and what he is and what he gives out, but only in the moment. And then sort of once he's sort of not there, maybe, I don't know. Um, which is why it's so easy for the others to kind of portray him as like this villain, because there isn't a lot of his own stuff left. Whereas, so you can make, people can make up stuff. And then the standout thing is the, obviously, the the um, the death of Hamilton. But um, in the show, the thing that I'm really most fascinated by is this like, uh, how he's able to, um, <laughs> how he's able to sort of present uh, the two different aspects of himself. So the part, the, the, the part of him that all his, his contemporaries see, that Hamilton and the Skylers and Washington, they all see that as he's going around in his life. And then the Burr, which is only really available to the audience, who I always thought of as like my confessors or my... Um, my friends, my confidants, people who we only, only they knew certain aspects of, of, of what I was really thinking and really thinking. So I found that really fascinating. I mean, I think that's a really human thing. If you think about the, the, the us that we carry around in our head, when we go out, when we're in relationships, when we're socialising, there's a million things going on in our head about how we're perceived or what our fears are, insecurities. There's that aspect of us. And then there's the aspect of us that everyone else is seeing in the pub or the bar or whatever, or your, you know, partner. So we are, we are kind of two different things. There's sort of outside us and the inside us. And Burr oh. or Lynn really captures that, I think. And I think the historical Burr really lends himself. I think those, I, yeah, I think those things really match up. Um, so that's a sort of long, long, answer to uh, um, a really good question. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like the 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 depth of him and the multi sort of, um, the many aspects of him. I also like the fact that he's, I think he's really, um, Lynn manages to convey this brilliant intelligence, brilliant intellect, really, really sharp mind through the wit of the language that he uses to express those thoughts. So a lot of Burr's stuff is very, very witty, which is not necessarily to say like belly laugh funny, but it's very, very smart. Some of the ways in which he articulates what he's trying to get across is very, very um, witty, which can only come, wit can only come through intelligence. And it's quite a difficult thing to kind of <laughs> portray intelligence, but Lynn does it so brilliantly in, in the language that he uses, the way in which he uses language, the way in which Burr will take someone's word and throw it back to them. Um, the complexity of the language, I think, has a kind of uh, a real fizzing quality, which means that someone who's not particularly intelligent, as me, Giles, is able to kind of latch into someone whose brain fires really, 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 really well because the lyrics and the words that he uses are really brilliant. So I, I enjoyed the, I really enjoyed finding the humour. It's really interesting that you say that because I, when watching you, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a couple of years, so you'll have to bear with me, but 
I remember visibly like seeing like the inner workings of your brain behind your eyes, like in those particular moments, especially when, I mean, I can pick out two moments in particular in right hand man when Burr walks in and, and is sort of pitching to George Washington. There was like a real nervousness that sort of betrayed his introversion and, and his fear of how he was coming across, which two minutes later in, in Wait For It, it's like that stillness of like, this is who I really am behind closed doors. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was really cool to try and play with those two aspects of him, the public him and then the private him, the external, the internal, um, which not a lot, not many of the other characters get to do in the same way. People would always say to me like, oh, you know, after the show, you know, I was really on Burr's side. I didn't expect necessarily to be. And I think partly that's thanks to the fact that I get to communicate with the audience throughout the entire show, whereas mm. they have more of an access to me really than uh, than the other characters in the show. So those, yeah, playing around with those aspects of him um, and also really getting a strong idea about what it is that he wanted. So I always had a very clear idea about what it was that Burr was after at any given moment. Um, and therefore, when you're in a situation, you can, you can as a character, you can see whether you're achieving that or you're not, or you're, you're at risk of losing it or all of those things. I liked... Um, ironically, I really liked the moments where I was listening and watching and, and um, reacting to what was happening because I knew what it was that the character wanted. So you could always get anything that anyone said. Would, would I could I could process in relation to what it is that I wanted. That's a really good way of looking at it. Um, I was going to ask as well. I wrote down here earlier um, in in We Know in particular. Do you think? Because obviously Bird does some quite nasty, well, not nasty, but also almost malicious things in Act Two, you know, when he defeats Philip Schuyler and um, he confronts uh, Alexander in We Know. Do you think he's questioning whether or not he's doing the right thing? Do you think he, his moral compass is kind of firing off in that moment? Yeah, because from his perspective, from Burr's perspective, um, again, he's just trying to achieve what, what he wants to achieve. And also the other thing I should say is that, because, yeah, just what you're talking about, about the scene with, uh, in Washington's office, the, what, come, what I found really useful in, in playing this part, which I haven't really done so much in other things, but it lent itself very much to this, was that along with knowing what you want, what he wants to achieve at any moment, I found it really useful to think about what he doesn't want to happen. So I think, you know, in the, without going too much into it, like in the Stanislavski uh, mode of like character, it tends to be about what the character, what you want to achieve as a, as a character, what your objective is, what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to gain, what you're trying to get hold of. It was actually, it struck me that actually uh, we don't always necessarily know what we want to achieve in life, you know you think about yourself or friends, there's moments where you're like, I don't know where I'm quite going. I don't know. But the one thing you do know is you know what you don't, don't want to happen in your life. You know what you're afraid of happening in your life. And with Burr, it was kind of interesting to go, actually, that, that's, that's at play there. And that really helped me as well, because there were certain moments where um, the idea of rejection comes up a lot. Mm. Um, that moment you talk about Washington's office. So the idea of like being aware of what you want, but also what you don't want to happen, I found really, really, really useful. Um, but you were talking about the moral, his moral compass. I think he's just trying to get, he's just trying to get what he wants. And, you know, in that situation with Hamilton, Hamilton is being massively hypocritical. Um, and also he's not being honest. 
you know, there, there is a there is an argument to be said for Burr, like Hamilton sort of has the opportunity to come clean. He has the opportunity to say what's happening. He has the opportunity and he kind of doesn't necessarily do that. So I think for Burr, it's like, I mean, defeating Skyler, that's just like politics. I think that's just like, that's just what it is. Whereas with, we know it's like, it's it, again, what's brilliant is it's like the chess game of like Hamilton has the opportunity. We've gone to him. We haven't just gone to, I don't know where we could have gone other options. We go to him. Okay. This is what the deal is. How are you going to do it? He, you know, and then he, we need to wait to see what he does. Hmm. And then Hamilton's fighting for his life. So he's trying to work his way out of it. He ends up doing the other thing, which is basically putting his own political, <laughs> his own political ends before even his family. But I think Burr, I think Burr is, you know, I definitely didn't subscribe to the idea that Burr is like the villain. That's the whole point. I don't think anyone's really like that. I think if anyone, anyone's behaviour can be traced back to something, either something they're afraid of, something they don't want to lose, something. So for me, it was like, okay, well, and sometimes you make shit decisions, you make bad decisions, you make unhealthy decisions. Um, I think Burr was always aware of, you know, doing... Well, and also the fact that he, you know, he, the historical Burr came from a massively long line of um, of church men and church figures and preachers. He's totally aware of like the morality of 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 um, of his his actions or his choices. Um, but it's politics, and the interesting thing about how it ends up, no one expects, you know, no one anticipates it ending up. At Weehawken on a, on a, on a dueling ground, but in terms of the kind of ins and outs and the machinations of politics and trying to uh, trying to get what you want and to try and you know maneuver your way through, this is a very young nation. Just the first presidency, it's all you can feel. It's all up for grabs. Who's going to take over? Who's going to succeed? So you know, I think I think um, Burr makes some bad decisions. I don't necessarily think he was. He, he has. I, I definitely don't think he has like evil intentions on his mind mm. right from the beginning. I don't think anyone really does. When it comes to the unraveling and your obedient servant, do you think do you think he actually wants that duel to happen, or do you think it's an escalation of tensions and it's gone too far and he can't pull it back? Okay, these are good questions, and no one's really asked me these before. Oh, I'm really pleased. I was so worried. <laughs> yeah, no, no one, no, and 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 actually, I don't. I'm, really spent a lot of time talking about them because I just didn't. But um, yeah, I definitely, my personal thing was that he doesn't want the duel to happen. Of course he doesn't want it to happen. And actually I think he thinks it's not going to happen right up until the last moment because, um, yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think, I think he continually thinks that Hamilton, I mean, in the, in the play, we have a sort of truncated version of events because that whole letter writing thing, dual thing, the build up to the dual took place over a whole summer, took place over months. And so there was lots of back and forth and he expected, and, and actually what happened was Hamilton ended up campaigning against, um, you know, for, for Jefferson basically, mm-hmm. endorsing Jefferson as opposed to uh, Burr. And then at the end of that, Hamilton um, said something in a conversation which got printed, which is basically accusing Burr of um, 
the quote was I could the person says I could I could I could quote yet more despicable acts that Burr is guilty of or whatever. And that word despicable in in the late 18th century would have been akin to, you know, would have been far more drastic than it is now and far more and far more weight with it. If you'd read that word, you know, far more despicable acts, um, you would be thinking of something like murder or incest or rape or something. So the idea that this thing was put and it was actually a conversation which the, the letter writer said, I overheard Hamilton having this conversation. And there are worse things that, yeah, far more despicable things that, that were alluded to in this conversation. So that's what Burr is trying to work out what it was he said. So he's expecting Hamilton to come back and say, either I didn't say something or I was misconstrued or someone lied or whatever. And he doesn't. Hamilton keeps going, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Um, and it, and that's how it escalates. I think Burr, for me, it was like he continually thinks, as we would do, that, 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 that someone's going to back down or have an explanation. Hamilton, of course, being Hamilton, says, I'm not going to give you an answer. <laughs> you, you know, you, you uh, take it as you want, basically, which then escalates. So then even, I took that further, even when it gets to Weehawken, he, he finally says, okay, now I demand satisfaction, Burr says, I demand satisfaction. He expects, as happened with Jules, that, that sometimes pistols aren't even fired. Sometimes the pistols don't even come out of the case. There's opportunities in a duel for the person to back down and, okay, fine, we've rectified the situation. So even when you're there on the day, there are moments before it gets to, to, to the 10 paces. So I found it, you know, useful to, to, to think that, that he was... Um, you always want the outcome to be, okay, this is going to be sorted until such time as it's not. Um, yeah, again, I, I, I don't think that, I definitely don't think that, I personally didn't think that Burr was going there that day to um, kill him. I don't, I don't think that was on his mind at all. Um, I think he was absolutely, by that point, beside himself. Also, interesting fact, was it that during that summer, while the letters are happening, they were at the same, they were in the same room. There was some, um, some big political event celebration that they were both at. We don't know whether they spoke to each other or not, but they were both there. So this is kind of weird thing of like the fire of being really pissed with someone and, and the, the escalation of that buildup. And at the same time, this kind of very careful, almost cold, um, execution of the, the this duel which i found really interesting i'm like either you usually you know if you're gonna if you kill someone and you didn't necessarily mean to it might be an act a, a act of passion crime of passion whatever or you kind of you get you know some psycho who deliberately kind of plots and plans this thing and this is kind of neither of those things it's kind of somewhere in between is that there is a kind of a length of time up to it but at the same time it is very much in the moment. So again, all that stuff was just richness of, and I, and I guess that is a way in which whoever's playing Burke can kind of find their own way through all of that. For me, that was that was my way. It was more, if someone is going to come on and stage at the beginning of the show, the very first thing that happens is no overture, there's no one else on stage. Burr walks out on his own, no sound, and asks the question of like the audience, how does this happen? Then for me, working backwards, it must, it, the, the unfolding of that day and we hawk in the duel must catch him out. It must, 
be it must be opposed to what he wanted otherwise he wouldn't spend the rest of his life going how did that happen how did i do this how did i do this so um if it was something that he he you know if if he was like this crazy sicko from the beginning he wouldn't he wouldn't have any qualms necessarily about it but i think it's someone who finds themselves in a situation because of their um the way that he as a person functions his brain like he's very fundamentalist it's kind of all or nothing so you he finds himself in these situations where he can't he's quite rigid in a way in his in his thinking uh and and therefore that doesn't lend itself to any kind of <laughs> uh, any kind of um movement so he finds himself boxed into this situation where he 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 has to, he can only do what he wants what he knows which is to kind of stick to his gun stick to his gun stick to it this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to do and the circumstance around him doesn't really allow for that and therefore you end up with someone who ends up in a situation where a gun goes off and the and, and it's and he immediately you know he immediately steps towards hamilton that actually happened um but I am ushered away, he says, which actually happened. He, he, the guns go off, Hamilton drops, Burr walks towards him, and then he's ushered away and taken away. So what, why did he move towards him? He must have not wanted the outcome. So for me, it's kind of working backwards of, of going, that's what he didn't want to happen, and it happens, and now I've got to try and live with that and unravel that for the rest of my life, which is what the, I, I think that's what he wanted when he stepped out onto that stage, for me anyway. Do you think, I mean, I'm talking about Schober now. I, I wonder if, because you know how he's, like you said, he's coming out and he's sort of going, how did this happen? Do you think that's a sign that maybe him as a character struggles to be present in these situations throughout the show and these things are happening and he's kind of watching the world go by and finding himself in these situations, but not really ever having control? Um, I think in the moment when he's walking through those scenes with Washington, with the Skylers, with the Suns and the Tavern, I think he absolutely has the, the kind of courage of his convictions and says, no, 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 I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, and that comes from many different things, but I think he has a, I think he has, a, which kind of is youth as well, but also him as a person, I think he has a great kind of conviction about what it is he wants to do. However, there's two things, it's a good question, because I think that definitely relates to He's, you know, making his way in the world. He's he's forming his his um, military career, which we which sort of happens. We don't really see Burr's side of it, but he had a brilliant military career in which he sort of worked with Washington a bit as well, and which we kind of see. Um, he led troops, and he was a bit of a war hero at one point. So it, it, the the bit of him which is like politically minded and, and ambitious, and wants to know. They're all trying to make their way in New York. They're all trying to establish themselves. He has this thing with um, with Angelica, which is a very smart move because she's the eldest, which means that um, you know he's gonna inherit all that and get into all that situation. So he's that part of his brain of like what he's gonna do and how he's gonna find his way in in, in the world. I think is absolutely he has massive steely conviction. And then the other bit, which is the personal bit, which is how he relates to people on a, on a personal level, I definitely think that is, uh, he's, he's less sure of that. You see that when he 
you know, his interactions with the Sons of Liberty in the tavern. And they're like, they're like, you know, they're siphoning on the, on the, on the, um, on the uh, and kind of rapping on the, uh, in the, on the table in the tavern. And he's kind of awkward around them. We see it with the Skylar sisters as well. He sort of tries a compliment and they kind of throw it back at him. And he's a bit, so I think personally, he, and we see it with Washington a bit. And also we see it in what people say of him. You know, no one knows what he stands for. People, people aren't quite sure who he is. I think personally, he's uh, very unsure of himself in terms of one-to-one relationships, which is why then when Hamilton says, you're going door-to-door in the campaign of 18, like you're going around asking people, one, it hadn't been done before, but also Burr is not necessarily in our show uh, the most personable. Although, historically, I found lots of stuff where, where people said Burr was great to be around. And um, he was, but again, it's sort of the blurring the lines between being a politician, being someone who's outgoing and can, can shake hands and can talk with people. Mm. And can turn it on when they need to. And turn it on when they need to. But I think in terms of his personal relationships, and again, I did, you know, it's for me, it was interesting to go, he didn't grow up with certainly his parents or his grandparents and those, those close relationships where you where you form your relationship forming skills he didn't mm. have there was an uncle that he went to live with and stuff but 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 the idea of how he forms personal relationships was um is is nowhere near as solid um on solid ground as the other bit of him which is the kind of politically minded which is kind of what we do i mean i i totally recognize that which is probably why i i kind of latched onto that because if you're not necessarily good at kind of being one-to-one with people and doing all that kind of stuff, it means that you maybe compensate for it in the other area, which is like your professional outgoing, outgoing self. So again, you know, there's rich, there's a lot of richness there with Burr. In terms of, uh, actually, you, you, this feeds into it quite well, forming uh, solid relationships. From listening to the, the Hamilton and Us podcast uh, interviews that you've done yourself with um, the Skylar sisters and, and Jamal, that it's clear that there is such a strong bond between all of you and and you know seeing the company on stage it felt like there was electricity between you yeah can you just talk about about that in terms of how it compares to other experiences you've had as a with with companies you've been part of before yeah these are good questions you know i know you know i'm not surprised but they are really really good questions <laughs> thank um, you <laughs> but yeah we you know it is exactly as you saw and as you felt and as you heard you know we talked to each other up until just before this this call, I was you know we talked to each other. We're on the, the WhatsApp group is always a buzz, um, and we're seeing each other on Sunday because Jam's about to go off, so we're going to have a get together on Sunday. And I suspect one, it's there's a couple of things. Partly because Tommy Tommy Kale, our director, very 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 smart in terms of bringing the right group of people together in terms of the creatives, everyone who's going to come on to this thing needs to be the right kind of um, people, the right kind of uh, heart and um, minds and attitudes towards what they're doing. And I found that like across the board in our company, everyone was completely on top of the game. I think also partly because then the next step from that is you've got people who want to be there. You've got people who are absolutely passionate as you are about the work they're going to do, the story they're going to tell. You have the material which lends itself to that. I mean, you know, people who don't like musicals, 
get passionate about this show, let alone the people who are, have to tell the story every night. So it's very easy to be absolutely passionate about it. So, Sorry, there's a lawnmower going on just outside my door. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me just close my shutter and see if that outmasks the sound a little bit. One sec. It's a man with a leaf blower literally right outside my window, which is really helpful. <laughs> sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, then you have, you know, you have a piece, a, a material which people... Um, uh, you know, we all acknowledged that it was like the most difficult thing we've ever done. So singing-wise, dance-wise, the whole thing, character-wise, stamina-wise, it's an ensemble piece, you're on stage all the time for two and a half hours, everyone's on stage all the time singing and dancing, uh, acting. So it's the most difficult thing, and I think that brings people together even more because you're, 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 you're faced with people who really understand what it is you're going through on a day-to-day basis. It's really hard work. We are, worked really hard in rehearsals. And knowing that actually, you know, not even your partner or not even your family know what it is, <laughs> except the 30 other people in the show doing it with you, which really bonds you because you get it, you get each other. Then on top of that, you have people from all over, you have lots of people of color, um, so there is, you know, you can you you can be yourself. You can you can share things that you don't have to really explain that normally you might have to explain. Or um, so there was that cut, you know, there was that shorthand. So all of those things combined meant that this was a really, you know, one of the most um, sort of precious energies that I've ever felt with, with, within a group. Um, and also people, you know, very very funny really really funny people in the group really like some very very funny people so we had a laugh you know we we there was always someone to kind of um to kind of keep things bright mm. and and joyous and so yeah for me all those things combined meant that it was very unique i don't really i've only felt that once or twice before when you then sat down to write your journal at the end of a day or during a day um obviously i haven't read it yet so i, I don't know how much of this is in there but how how much did you how did you decide what to keep in and what to leave out? Because if it was me, I seventy percent of what I wrote would be, oh my god, Rachel John, Rachel John singing, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that those thoughts were there, absolutely, Rachel John, <laughs> and with everyone. I mean, oh yeah, my god. With, with everyone, yeah, with everyone. I just singled Rachel out, but everyone, everyone, you know. Oh my God, Jack Butterworth dancing. Oh my God, Shin sing, like, oh my God, ja- Jam, whatever. Every, everyone was intense. But my main focus was on the job that I had to do. And it was just so conce- all consuming that my journal was very much about just processing what I was that I was going through and feeling and thinking. So the questions that I would have. Um, uh, the things I was diff- struggling with, um, the thing, the breakthroughs that I had, the thoughts that occurred to me, or um, interesting um, things that Tommy might have said um, in terms of direction, or what a- Andy might have said in terms of movement. Um, so to me, it was just a case of kind of processing and, and, and sort of working through all of that. So it wasn't necessarily, it definitely wasn't me sitting down, sort of. Um, uh, documenting what the whole picture was like. 
it was first and foremost a thing of like, okay, I'm playing bird. These are my notes. That's just how I work, whether it's this play or another play uh, or a film or I'm directing something. It's a case of, okay, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I struggling with? What do I need to think about? Um, bits of research. So um, there were, that said, part, you know, we were, uh, you know, as we just said in the previous question, it, 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 I didn't definitely function in a vacuum and it, I wasn't functioning alone. So um, <laughs> there are, there, you know, the, the, the company definitely feature and, uh, but it's not, it's not necessarily in terms of commenting on what people are doing or, 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 or how they are. Although that, you know, that does feature. But, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, in terms of what to write down, I just, I just wrote down, as I said, what I was, it, you know, it was active stuff, so stuff that I needed to work on or think about or questions and stuff, that, that kind of thing. Um, uh, that's where I sort of start, that's, where, that's the position I started from. Um, and certainly I didn't intend to then publish it. So it's a very, in terms of um, what to write down, I just wrote down everything I was thinking and feeling and experiencing. So once you're, once you're up and running and the show's open and you have time to reflect, um, obviously I'm, I'm guessing that there are certain performances where you could almost put yourself back in that moment and you can see it with your eyes closed. What, what moments in particular are, are they? What, what can you, can you remember a particular, whether it's from opening night or from edge, one of the Edgeham shows or from your last performance, is there a particular moment where you can remember exactly what it felt like? Okay. Each one of those moments, um, performances, the Edgeham show, the first one we did, um, which took a while to sort of organize. And we, in the end, we, we, we managed to get it, make it happen. Um, which we've been inspired by the shows that happened in New York, the Edgeham shows where they had this brilliant program, uh, and where they'd have young people's performances and students would come from all over the country and they would do some workshops and it was brilliant, really, really brilliant. So we were hoping that we were anticipating the same thing happening here. Um, and it took, it took a bit of time, but we managed to make it happen. And the first one that we did, which I think was in the October, we, we, yeah, we, we'd opened in the December and I finished in the December and in the October, we managed to get this performance as an extra matinee on a Tuesday. And just having 1500 young people from all over. We made a list of schools that we went to or schools that we taught at places which wouldn't necessarily have, you know, instant access to very expensive Western tickets. So we made up this list. So we had a lot of connections to the 1500 young people that were in that audience, um, our old schools and stuff. Um, and to have 1500 young people sat there um, of all kind of colors, black, white, brown, like, um, all classes, mainly young working class from, from sort of disadvantaged areas, you'd say. And to just, to just see, you know, to that show was like the best show ever. That was like the most amazing show because it was so different. Um, of an evening, like the audience would be pretty much the, the same in terms of their like out, instant outpouring of like joy and sort of um, involvement and enthusiasm. But this was like different because, um, because they were all young people, they were just hearing different things in the lyrics and in the characters and the situations. They were seeing stuff like all the Sons of Liberty stuff, they were all over that. I mean, they were like, <laughs> when like, you know, Mulligan's there and, and like they're doing their thing, they were just, they completely lost their shit for that. But less so, 
because they're <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to wait and I'm going to be patient and I'm going to do this. So they were like, nah, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because that's what that's where they are. They're like, okay, this is the world we find ourselves in. This is the stuff we think is shit. This is the stuff we want to change. Let's do it. That's that's where their heads are at. So they're totally connected with the characters that were like that. Um, and they, it was like so loud, like the volume in that auditorium was so loud. And then moments where it's absolutely like pinned still, like you'd hear a pin drop. It was just really beautiful. And there's one moment in particular where we, at the, in the opening number, where we all line up on the front of the stage, they call it a timeline. And we, because um, it comes on the direct time, um, never learn to take your time. Uh, and we're all lined up at the front of the stage, looking out before Alex comes off the ship. And uh, so we're looking out into the auditorium and that happened every night. And that night or that afternoon was just, uh, it was indescribable in a way, but, but it was like seeing ourselves and, and, you, and you could see them see themselves up on stage. They were looking at us. Um, and that was like the closest I can get to describing what that, that moment was. Because to me, you know, there's lots of things in the show. Um, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Immigrants, we get the job done. There's a lot of lines that, you know, we connect to. But that moment kind of distilled all of that, I think. Um, and then afterwards, we had like this big Q&A and they asked questions and we asked questions to them and it was, it was perfect. Um, there was a moment in, on the, um, what was the other one you said? The energy hand, the first night, or the last night. There was oh, or your last night, yeah. Moment in the last night where it was the last matinee where, um, again, talking about the company and all we'd been to together during my shot. It was, a, <laughs> and we were a mess from the moment we, from the moment we came on stage. Everyone was a mess. I was fine actually in the opening number until Jam comes on and says his first line, Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there was a little tiny little catch in his, in his like voice when he said that. Then I was a mess then, because Jam's like, Jam's like rock solid. He, uh, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he's cool. Uh, and sometimes he's so cool that he, you don't quite. Jam would make a brilliant burr. Jam would make an absolutely brilliant burr, I always thought, because he's so cool. But anyway, there was this one, there was this, that one moment where there was a little, just a little tiny catch. And then I was like, oh, oh no, if, Jam, if Jam's losing it, I'm, I'm, so then I was a mess. But then in my shot, there's this moment where, you know, he gets up, I'm, what's it, I'm past patiently waiting. And he gets up on the, on the thing and we're all facing him. And by this point, we're up on the, I'm up on the surround, but he's in the middle on the box or whatever it is. I think he's in the box. And then we're all facing in, facing him. And that moment on the last matinee was, it was kind of scary in a way because this energy just came up like from, it was on the stage and we were all just, it was really, really weird because it's hard to describe, but there was this like mad energy, which was really strong. And I think maybe because we were all facing the same way, we were all like focusing this energy sort of into the center of the stage where Jam was. And it was, it was very, very, very powerful. And, um, and again, you know, I'd never experienced anything like that before. So those tiny moments are the ones that you want to just, not that you hold on to, but you just want to savour them and, and be present with them. But, but to be fair, there were, lots, there were lots of moments during that 
between that year. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's probably good that you kept a journal because otherwise, just <laughs> so so fleeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you? You obviously played up as a, a number of different Alexanders during your run. Did any of them bring out anything in your Aaron Burr that you weren't expecting while you were in a, in any particular moment? That's such a good question. They all brought out something different. Yeah, Jam. Jam was one thing, Ash was something, Sofiso. Sofiso was great because um, we were kind of, Jam, Jam is really tall, right? Mm. And I'm average, I would say. <laughs> so there was, a, there was always a physical difference between us. Whereas me and Sofiso were the most similar of, of all the Burr-Hamilton combinations. So it was like, it was a really interesting, and, I, and I, listen, I love when when different people are doing it. I absolutely mm. love it. Because to me, for exactly the reason why you asked the question, it brings out something else different, potentially. And it can be something you hadn't thought about or something you can use moving forward. So I always love that. Um, whether it's, you know, different Hamilton or a different um, ensemble, whoever it is, I think it's really useful. And uh, yeah, so Sofiso and I were, were physically very similar. And so it kind of, it kind of lent, and also you know, like with Jam, it was like, again, touching on a question that you asked earlier, like I think Burr, they, you know, one of the first things they say about Burr, <clears throat> Lawrence is like, oh, the prodigy of Princeton College. Burr is like, I'm the big shit. Like everyone knows who he is. Every, you know, he's the, he's the prodigy. He's the guy who everyone says, that's the golden boy. He's going to do everything. He's going to be the president at some point. Burr's that guy, entitled, confident, he knows what he wants. Underneath, that's a different thing. But I think, and then Hamilton is this young, scrapping, hungry kid who just got off the boat and like, so there's very much a sense with Jam and I, you still like leaning into the thing of like, okay, well, okay, come with me. I'm gonna get you a drink. I'm gonna sit you down. I'm gonna show you like what I know. Because on some level, Hamilton sees Burr in a weird way. I think, you know, if you're, if you're used to being perceived as like the golden boy, I think that's good to a certain extent, but it's kind of a bit like, you know, when you get like really famous pop stars or whatever, and they end up living in this bubble where they all they crave is for someone to just treat them like a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just want someone to communicate. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be deferential to me. Just, and I think that I thought a little bit, not to that degree, but I think there's a part, is there a part of Burr which actually, when Hamilton says, hey, listen, you and me, well, you know, I'm just going to come at you and talk to you on the street. The bird says, actually, okay, cool. This isn't someone who's, who's being deferential to me. So you kind of, yeah, okay, right. Let's, there's something about this kid. So, but, so there was something about Hamilton, which was like, let me take you under my wing. Whereas with Sofiso, it was a lot more like, okay, we were kind of even. We were a, li- we were a bit more kind of like, um, you know, the, the similarities in us could be what draws us together as much as, as much as anything else. And I quite like that. So when Safiso and I were doing it together, it was, um, it was a different thing, but, and then say when Ash was doing it, he would, he had this real, like he lent into this real kind of cocky thing. So it was good for me to sort of push up against that because there was someone else who necessarily, you know, it was almost like Ham- Ash's Hamilton was, no one else was saying he's like the big shit, but he thought he was the big shit. So he was walking, he was walking around like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to get a scholarship to King's College. I'm going to do this. 
so that kind of was useful in terms of how uh, Berg going, okay, all right, okay, all right, just, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. There's a competition there. It kind of fed the competition thing aspect. But, um, yeah, it's interesting thinking back because there were, everyone was different and everyone brings out something different in you, potentially, if you let it. Yeah, yeah, I just, it just looks like that would be the most fun bit when you're on with someone and it changes your entire day and your entire show. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you have to, you know, you have to respond to that. And But it's the same with any any character, anyone, because, you know, they break it down in terms of the ensemble. It's like man one, man three, man five, woman, which is kind of sounds a bit clinical, but um, that's how it works. And, you know, if, the, if there's an exchange where you have to pass a book to someone or a chair gets put down and you sit into it, if it's someone different, it's a kind of different energy. And I kind of like that. Some people, like some actors are like, no, 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 this, you know, you have to do it this way because this is how I, you know, do this bit. And I, I don't like that. I'm like, let's, let's just be present with what happens to be there on that particular night. And it's an it's a, it's a unlocking thing. You can get, you can learn from it. Absolutely. Um, you've been able to switch between plays and musicals a lot more than a lot of actors uh, in the last couple of years. Has Hamilton raised the bar for you in terms of musicals that you'd be willing to do in the future? There you go again. Exactly that. Because, yeah, I mean, it's something which is really special to me and, and the, 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 kind of, the kind of work that we were doing on the level of work that we were doing. Because, you know, once we started performing and uh, the kind of, um, uh, you know, the kind of, the kind of glamorous side of it or people coming to see it is that's another thing. But in terms of the work that we were doing, the level of work that we were doing is that's, that's anything else below that or not, not on that same pitch is, is going to be difficult. But then that's, that's not just musical voices across the board. Again, as I say, you know, you've got a team who are working, a creative team, you've got a cast, um, everyone is working at such a kind of pure uh, intensity that um, you want to always be working at that level. Um, so if I was going to do something again, I, I, I would, yeah, for me, it's like, okay, well, and then also the last year that we've had, I think, one thing it's taught me, it's like, well, if I'm going to do something, I want to make sure it's something I'm really passionate about and something that's going to, I want to spend my time doing and it's going to offer something positive to the conversations that we're all having in some shape or form. Even if it's just allowing people to um, escape and have, have some entertainment for you, that's fine. That's, that's cool as well. Um, that, that is a contribution. But for me, it's, yeah, it's about, it's made me, it's made me double down on my, um my choices and and uh yeah how i how i choose what i choose to spend my time doing yeah i think that that's a really respectable perception especially post covid um would you ever do it again would you ever go back to hamilton hmm yeah we were talking about it we were talking about it and um uh yeah tommy and i were always talking about it and it's a case of finding the right time and the right moment and the right place and i certainly miss the well two things one I miss the kind of energy of being in that I miss being in that energy that the show was every night uh and also like I say the character is so rich that I think about 
it all the time and I think about moments from the thing all the time and go, oh right yeah or I learn stuff about that period or that I think oh yeah if I if I if I ever went back to that I would, I would there's more to be found you know um it's not it's not a kind of character or the kind of play that you can kind of go okay well that's it now I've, I've mined that as far as I can go it's a very rich character set of characters um and also the time in which you're performing it you know, the time in which I was performing the show was pre-COVID. And lots of times during last year, I was like, what would it be like to do the show now in terms of what we're all thinking about and what we're all, what does it mean to be in that show now, let alone tell that story? Um, so, I, yeah, I would, uh, who knows? Never say never. Well, it's not a no, which is, which is good. Um, my, my last question is one, I, I like to ask people if there is a particular lyric or line from a show, it doesn't have to be from Hamilton, um, that is particularly poignant to them or particularly special to them. If you can't think of one off the top of your head, don't worry. Um, but if there, if there is one, I'd love to hear it. Um, my mother was a genius. My father commanded respect, which is a line from um, Wait For It. And again, that was another moment when I heard it first where I thought, yeah. That's something which I could say. <laughs> so um, that that line often, yeah, definitely means a lot to me. Perfect. I love that. Thank you so much, Giles. This has been really, really, really interesting and, and fabulous to talk to you. Thank you. Those are some kick-ass questions. Um, it was brilliant to just be, be reminded of some of those sort of deeper moments. So thanks. Thanks for having me. Giles's book, Hamilton and Me, is available now in hardback wherever you buy your books from. People used to say all good bookstores. I don't know if they still say that, but all good websites and bookshops, you can get it there. You can also hear him speaking to fellow cast members and members of the creative team on his podcast, Hamilton and Us, which is a really nice listen. My favourite episode is the one where he spoke to three performers who played the Skylar Sisters. So that one is definitely worth a listen. Well, that's it for this week. I'll be back with another episode and another guest next Tuesday. In the meantime, I'll be here still recovering from the reopening night of Come From Away last Thursday, which I did a little bonus episode on. If you haven't heard it, just scroll down. It's there. And of course, here is the obligatory polite request to go and leave us a rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Thank you ever so much. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.